Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ben and this is the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast. Hey family, I hope you're well wherever you are and you got that thin blue smoke rolling. This is episode 99 of the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast. Next week we turn 100 and that's going to be a really exciting episode. Uh, my wife is actually going to be posting a, a, uh, a post very soon asking for questions from listeners within the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue community on Facebook. And she is going to be taking over the microphones and she's going to be interviewing me for that episode. So if you're you're a member of the barbecue community on Facebook or you're not yet, make sure you get in there, have a look for that post. And if there's questions that you wanted me to answer, uh, flick them to her. She's going to field them to me and she's going to actually interview me. I'm not going to know what these questions are. She's going to keep them secret from me and... I'll be answering them um, as if uh, as if I was the guest on the show. So that's going to be pretty fun. Um, I have no idea how it's going to go. I hope you all behave yourselves with your questions. But in today's episode, stepping into the confessional is Graham Stockdale, or as you might know him, Big Red. He's the man behind the grand winning championship uh, competitive barbecue team, Pit Crew Barbecue, the barbecue cookbook, Red Hot and Smokin', the Stockpot Kitchen, and of course, that fantastic Baywatch parody video. I'm going to drop a link to that last one in the episode description because that was a cinematic and comedic masterpiece. And if you're feeling a bit down at the moment and, and a bit housebound, that video is going to put a huge smile on your face. So in this episode, we're going to get into uh, how he got into barbecue, why he got into competition barbecue, the transition to running the Stockpot Kitchen. Uh, We're going to talk about that cracked chicken. And if you have met Graham, then you know what I'm talking about. I'm going to ask him some questions about that Baywatch parody video because I reckon there's got to be some fun stories behind that. We're going to get into his book, Red Hot and Smokin', and the story of how that came about for him. And then we're going to get into a lesson of his choosing. Now, he hasn't actually revealed to me yet what that is. So I'm I'm as interested as you are to find out what's going to happen later in the episode. But uh, knowing Graham, I'm sure it's going to be uh, um, a hell of a lot of fun and a hell of a lot of laughs. So without further ado, let's get stuck into it. This is the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast with your host, Ben Arnott. How long has it been since your last confession? Mr. Graham Stockdale, pitmaster of Pit Crew Barbecue and the Stockpot Kitchen, welcome to the confessional. G'day, Ben. Thanks for, ha- uh, thanks for having me, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it's funny to say thanks for having me when we're uh, doing this remotely and not in, in person. Yeah, I, I'm kind of, I mean, you know, I'm at home, I'm looking out on the, on the fields and I, I feel like I should be in a dark little room with you speaking to me through sort of a mesh window maybe mate i went to uh to aldi yesterday to just duck out to get the essentials those people now work in plastic bubbles <laughs> they've got like I, that I, um that that clear plastic protective screening that they put up in buses that yeah, they, they, could, they've put, i could honestly believe it they've made whole booths out of that for them and if you try and get too close it drops down like a bank you know Robbery window. <laughs> <laughs> Alarms go off. People just losing fingers left, right and centre. Yeah, yeah. It's bad. Don't do it. <laughs> All righty. So, let, so let's kick things off. Um, tell us how you first got into barbecue, low and slow. Um, listen, I'd, I'd like it to be like a, 
a really in-depth and spiritual answer, but um, the plain and simple fact of it all is I, I just love fire. Like, I really love fire. I've always loved fire. I loved playing with fire as a kid. I loved watching the fire. You know, when you'd have the, the, the Sunday barbecue and mum would burn lamb chops and you'd just I, – I was just always fascinated by it. And I guess um, as I started cooking professionally, I, I just tried to find places where I could – sort of bring that into my cooking until it was just a full-blown, you know, now where we, we have a barbecue restaurant. Beautiful. I'm, I'm much the same. I, uh, I sort of got into, into barbecue cooking um, with a saucepan on, a, on an open fire out in the bush because we yes. used to burn stumps out of the yep. ground when we lived on the farm. Yep, I feel it. Yeah, it was a very, um, you know, it, it was a very natural progression. It was it was bound to happen. I'm sure everyone saw it coming. Yeah. <laughs> and so then, how did you move from a from a love of fire and meat? How did you move into competition barbecue with Pit Crew Barbecue? Um, well, I guess I just uh, I, I saw that these competitions were happening, and um, uh, we were in Bangalore at the time at our first restaurant, and. Um, Fletcher, who obviously organises the or ran the Bangalore barbecue competition, um, he used to frequent our restaurant, and we we actually became really good friends through it all. Um, and one year, he literally said to me, "Mate, I have um, I've signed you up." Oh right. Um, except with an American accent. Of course, yeah. He has a bit of one of those. Um, so, so yeah, it was just full steam ahead from there. I, um, I was lucky enough to, in our first competition, we were positioned right next to the natural born grillers. So that was a beautiful introduction into, um, having a good time at a barbecue comp and it was just full steam ahead from that. There was no turning back, you know, it was just a, a group of people who loved talking about barbecue and. You sit back, you have a beer, you hand in some food and maybe you rent, win a trophy and maybe you don't. You know, it all becomes less important by the end of the day and you just have a great time. Yeah, and I and I love that, that it all started for you at Bangalore because that's, uh, that's one of my sort of almost local competitions there. It's a great little competition. Oh, it's brilliant. Um, yeah, we're just, you know, as, as time goes by and um, – because it's not um, not going at the moment, um, but as you know, another year goes by, you just hope that someone's going to pick it up and crank it back up. And you know, I, I love it. It's just a it's a it's a ten minute drive down the road. It's fantastic. Yeah, I don't, I don't get many of those. Yeah, no, it it didn't run last year, did it? And I'm assuming it won't no. be running this year thanks to Corona. So. I'd, I was under the impression that he had actually successfully sold that competition on. So, without talking out of turn, are you like, do you know anything about what what the current status is? No, I don't. Sorry. Oh, okay. All right. No problem. Yeah. No. I. Yeah. I, I haven't seen Fletcher for a few weeks, or even a month or so now. So, yeah, I, I couldn't say. Sorry. Oh, that's right. I'll I'll track him down uh, once we're done here, and 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 I'll find out. Nice. So, um, so Let me know. <laughs> I will. I will. Yeah, yeah. So, do you still live in Bangalore now? Uh, we're sort of 
um, between Bangalore and Lismore, like out in the hills a little bit. So, um, we, so are you technically on the – no, yeah, yeah, you'd be across the border in New South Wales there. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yep. Yeah. And you, you, um, you're living on a property you were saying before. Yeah, we got a little farm, 50, 50 or so acres. Got some cows. <laughs> Very nice. And so does that does that sort of factor into your into your cooking as well? Uh, not yet. No, we've um, we've only just moved here. So um, yeah, we've we've probably got a little bit to go before uh, this place can factor into my cooking like I'd like it to. Um, you know, it it does definitely. Um, uh, for my for my home cooking, I guess, you know, a lot of things come from the garden and whatnot. Um, and even just having the space, you know, like we've we've got barbecues all over the place, so we cook heaps on fire. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, and you you get the kids out and get them involved in that too. Oh, absolutely! Especially now, it's um, home ec class is in session. Yeah, we're um we're starting to do some uh, some science and ag stuff. We've uh, bought a little mini greenhouse and we're germinating some seeds at the moment, and we're having a great time with that sort of stuff. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Definitely, like um, we're we're talking about doing you know um, maybe a bit of woodwork next week or over the Easter weekend even where they can maybe build a shed or a truck pen or something. Oh wow! Oh, just anything to get them working really. Well, if you've if you've got a farm there that you're trying to turn into a working plot of land for the <laughs> yeah. restaurant, and and, and and you've got labor just sitting there yeah. playing PlayStation, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, that's right. If I can get them to sort of um, draw a little diagram of what it's going to look like, and then you know that's that's basically classroom. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The 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 kids have a pen in their hand and a and, and a paper on the desk. Job done. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> So you you mentioned earlier that you had started in Bangalore, but now you're sort of you're, you're down in Lismore. I guess that that brings us to Stockpot Kitchen. Tell us how that came about. Um, well, I mean, um, maybe maybe seven or so years ago, maybe even eight years ago now, um, we started catering. Like my wife Jan and I both had um, jobs in the kitchen, but we just started doing our our own little thing on the weekends and days off and that sort of thing. Um, and then quite randomly, we both, um, we both lost pretty secure jobs within, you know, like three or four weeks of each other. Oh no. Um, yeah. Like just through places closing down, like totally, yeah, totally randomly, um, story for another time and a campfire and a beer maybe. Um, but it just made us go, well, you know, sort of had the carpet pulled out from under us. Let's let's go a little more full steam ahead with this with this stockpot bizzo. Um, and then we we found our first location, which was at the Bangalore Bowls Club, which was you know it was a it was a failing club. So we we got a good deal to go in there and um, sort of uh, took our our smokehouse barbecue and fried chicken and. It it went a lot better than anyone really expected, I think, and um, yeah, it just it it went really really well. We were there for 
I think four and a half years at the end of it, and um, we we had a really good time. Like the the club wanted to go in a different direction at the end, and that was all fine. No hard feelings, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We all had a little kiss and a cuddle, and, and and we sort of took our barbecue and left, and um, moved our asses to Lismore, um, which is a a little bit more out in the country, even even more so. And um, yeah, there we've been for I think it's a year and three weeks. I I remember we were going to have our first birthday party the week that all of the um, COVID-19 restrictions sort of were put in place. So, Oh, that, no. Oh, yeah, that was a damper. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, we still ate some cake. We had a beer um, and had a little celebration. But that was like, yeah, I think it was the day after they canned all the uh, parties Etc. So, yeah, and that—that's where we are now. We're still doing our thing. It's um, it's funny that you say that about the parties. I was reading in the news that um, I think it was last weekend, maybe the weekend before, the police busted a thousand parties here on the Gold Coast because people just weren't listening to the uh, to the professionals, and they were just yeah. having like a like an end of days party anyway. <laughs> <laughs> an end of days party. I love it. That's maybe, maybe they thought it is the end. Yeah, I don't know. They, they were going out in style. Could have been, could have been. Yeah. Um, I know, like, yeah, no, but I, I agree. A lot of people just still do whatever they want. I mean, the the four-wheel drive beaches got closed here yesterday because there were still tons of people on the beach. Yeah, they did the same thing up here on the Gold Coast too. They've they've closed the beaches here on the Gold Coast as people are just ignoring what they're being told and still going anyway. Yeah. Crazy, craziness. Anyway, oh man, it's loose. <laughs> back to the stockpot kitchen. So mm. you so you moved out to Lismore. Yep. With with respect, why Lismore? It's it it's quite a ways off the motorway. It's not it's not yep. like a major through through town, if you know what I mean. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, and, I mean, at the end of the day for us, we we had a certain amount of time to move. Like, so we, we needed to leave and we needed to find a new place. And we sort of looked between Byron, Ballina, Lismore, sort of that triangle. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, the only place we found that was sort of half decent and suitable was in Lismore and I guess that was the end of the story for us. We we said, let's go. <laughs> um, it, it came down to, yeah, time and just basically the only place that was available at the time uh, for what we needed and it ended up being an absolute cracker. Fair enough. I understand that. And I'd imagine that um – Real estate rental in Byron Bay would be premium dollar too, wouldn't it? Oh yeah, that's yeah. Honestly, you should check it out sometime. Get yourself a garden shed. Well, we did actually. Um, we did actually look at at moving to Byron. Maybe, oh, geez, a bit while ago now, eight or nine years ago, and just renting a little three bedroom, just run down, bomb looking house was something like six hundred dollars a week. It was insane. Yeah. 
Yep. Um, but yeah, that's. I mean, we we couldn't afford that sort of rent. So. Yeah, yeah. So so Lismore it was. Yeah. So tell us but about it, um, Stockpot then. Like, what sort of what, what what's on the menu, all that sort of stuff. Um, so we do uh, smokehouse barbecue. We do southern fried chicken. We do burgers. We do booze. That's sort of our um, our credo. Um, yeah, we we have a big old radar hill offset, and it chugs away every day. Um, we do brisket. We do pulled pork. We do sausages. We do fried chicken, yeah. And how have you found the um, the the country customers' response to that low and slow American style barbecue? Yeah, no, they, they absolutely love it. Like there is, there's old farmers who come in and they can't believe what I guess a um, a, a brisket low and slow style like they they just cannot believe it. You know, after they've they're used to eating, I guess maybe tough old brisket for years and. Um, yeah, it it's just been it's been really re- well received, and we we couldn't have fathomed that it would be sort of as busy as it has been. And for that, you know, we're constantly humbled and thankful for everything that keeps going on out there. It's amazing. Well, mate, I'm I'm really glad to hear that the uh, that the response from the small country town has been so good for you because I grew up in a country town probably about the same size of, of uh, the same size as Lismore. And um, when I was living there, there was one pizza place, which is where you went if you wanted Italian food. And there was, <laughs> and there was two Chinese restaurants and that was it. Uh, anything else was just uh, like, you know, fish and chips and hamburgers. So yep. uh, the, the fact that they've really sort of, that the, the locals have embraced you so well, just makes me really happy to hear. Yeah, no, I mean, like I said, we, we, constantly amazed by it all so let's get into um how coronavirus has uh has affected the business what what changes have you had to make to uh to to keep things going oh dear good lord um (laughs) uh so i i guess uh, the obvious ones are you know there's a there's a lot more hand sanitizer there's (laughs) um in in our business we're pretty much always wearing gloves anyway, so that's that's pretty handy one. Um, but you know, we've we've had to take all the all the tables out of the restaurant, the getting your head around the whole takeaway thing. Whereas normally takeaway might be um, uh, maybe five percent of our business, and it's it's all eat in. So um, just turning it into a full takeaway restaurant has been quite a weird experience. And for for all the chefs there, you know, like just trying to get that in our heads is probably the, uh, the weirdest one. And then even the, you know, as it starts to become more clear in your head how you can do this whole takeaway thing and you start bringing in all your takeaway systems and then there's the realisation that, Oh crap! Like eventually, I'm I'm probably going to have to go back to the other system, or will I have to go back to the other system? Like, are we a, are we a takeaway restaurant now? Who knows what's going to happen? 
Yeah, interesting. But, so was that a government requirement that you pull all those tables out? I'm, I'm, I'm sure we could have kept the table in, but there's no, for us, there's no um, dining in allowed. So it's, it's takeaway only. So, um, so best just to take yeah, those tables so, out then and just avoid any uh, yeah, any potential arguments. Absolutely. Although it is, I mean, you know, every every day or two, someone still asks if they can sit down and eat their lunch, uh, <laughs> which, is, which is, I don't know, it's mildly amusing in this time we're in at the moment. Um, but, yeah, for us, we all the tables have gone and it's, it just makes that bit more space there as well. So, I mean, everyone's obviously really, well, most people are quite aware of um, staying away from other people at the moment and uh, it just makes it a little bit easier and more comfortable, I think, for everyone. And how's the response been to that to that transfer to, to takeaway? Are you finding that customers are still coming and they're happy to do to do takeaway? Yeah, yeah, they're definitely still coming and um, like we've moved into, now we're doing frozen meals and um, a lot a lot of cryovax things as well so people can take home and reheat, that sort of thing. Oh, good idea. Um, which is definitely, a, a lot of people will just come in, you know, every day or two and grab a couple of those sort of things. Um, but even from local producers, you know, people we use anyway, like we get, um, we've got bread, eggs, cheese, milk, um, all our booze is on the shelves as well. So people can sort of um, grab a little something else if they want, if they don't want to go to the supermarkets. Um, so, yeah, we're just doing what we can to keep a little traffic, I guess. So having those essentials on the shelves there, the the bread, the milk, the cheese, all that stuff, was that something that you were doing pre-COVID or something you've done in response to? Oh, no, no, no. We're, um, no, that's that's post-virus. So now it's like um, Stockpot Kitchen, Smokehouse Barbecue, Fried Chicken and COVID Convenience Store. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, no, that's, um, and it, it's not even something to make heaps of money off it's just to give i guess people um maybe another reason to come through the door well from from one point of view as well you're actually doing them a favor by minimizing the number of places they've got to go to to get that stuff yeah well i guess yeah that's sort of what we're trying to do beautiful and so what do you what sort of opportunities do you see coming out of this or is it all it like is it all negative or is this forcing you to sort of reconceptualize your business are you seeing new opportunities new directions for you um yeah maybe i i guess we we're just trying to stay positive and um i guess not thinking heaps about where it's going to go because we we really don't know um, it, yeah, it's, it's all just pretty strange, I guess at the moment, it's a weird one, but yeah, we just, we just try and stay positive and, um, have a chuckle. You're listening to the internationally awarded smoking hot confessions podcast. 
with massive barbecue nerd Ben Arnott. And we're back. All righty. So the the next two th- uh, two things that I want to talk about they're they're kind of related. So we'll we'll start with one and then move into the other. The first one that I want to talk about is that Baywatch parody video. Man, that was absolutely <laughs> the funniest thing I've seen in a long time before I saw it, and the entire time since. So, tell us a bit about what about what that video was and how it came about. Uh, so, basically, what happens with all the videos you see um, that look at least semi-professionally done on our on our website and our socials. Um, we we have a friend and he does filming, video filming as a business and he likes to throw a couple of our ideas our way um, and just get out and film a, uh, I guess, a wacky little video every now and then. So he'll just give us a call. Um, listen, we're going to do Baywatch. Um, we're going to do it in the ocean. It's going to be really cold, but <laughs> you guys are going to be fine. And then we tell the guys at work and everyone who wants to come and be part of it comes along and we pull all our, all our, all our stuff together and it, it's basically – yeah, just what what you see on the video is what happened that day. Like, it it doesn't take hours and hours. We try to keep it fairly simple and fairly relaxed, and um, you know, not not have everyone spending half a day filming a crazy video, and just have a bit of fun and yeah, have a laugh. So, in the video, there was um, there was one guy. I'm assuming he he works at at, at your store. And he, he goes into the ocean for a swim and he starts struggling and he starts having some problems. And then yep. you, you and the team start running down the beach in the in the slow-mo, you know, I'll be there whenever you need that theme song from from, uh, from yeah, Baywatch. Right. Absolutely. You run in there, you drag him out, and in, but instead of doing CPR, what did you do? Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure we, we shoved a whole heap of food in his mouth. It started with, with burgers and... There was pickles and there was fried chicken and then I think we just poured sauce into his mouth and um, yeah, in a in an effort to revive him, we were we were just trying to help. Yeah, mate, it, <laughs> it was hilarious. The, the, I was in stitches the whole time. Now it's the it was the it was the fried chicken that that really stuck in my memory, and I think that's because your cracked chicken is just divine. Tell us about the cracked chicken. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like I, I just got lucky with that one. I think it's, um, it's a recipe I've used for quite a few years now. Um, and the recipe, I, I know you spoke about my book earlier. The recipe in the book is the, the recipe we use. Like a lot of people ask if I'd really put the recipe in the book, but that's how we do it. That's how we do it at the restaurant. Like, yeah, people people just seem to love it. Like, we make it. Um, it's like a, a gluten free, dairy free type scenario. Um, just because of, I mean, where we live, um, a lot of people are coming into the restaurant 
asking for gluten-free, dairy-free, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so I, I just made it that way and um, tried to make it good. So it's based on the, the Japanese karyage where they twice cook it and use potato flour and, um, yeah, that's – it's – I don't know. I think we just got lucky, like I say. <laughs> So, so does it all go through the deep fryer? Because one of those years at Bangalore, oh, we were just saying that it hasn't run for two years. So I'd, I think it was 2018 you, you brought yeah. a big uh, Perilla-style grill that, yeah. uh, that, that sort of went up and down. So was that fried once and then finished on the grill or was it double fried and then, re- and then reheated on the grill? No, fried, fried once and finished on the grill. So basically everyone who's eaten the cracked chicken at barbecue competitions has had it. It's been fried once and then it's finished on a grill or a smoker or someone's GA or <laughs> whatever's fired up at the time, basically. And so is that how you do it at the restaurant as well or is it twice fried at the restaurant? No, we twice fry it at the restaurant. Um, when we're catering off-site, we do the once fried and then finished in the barbecue. But, yeah, uh, it, it works really well either way. I've never had any complaints about it, um, and it's still one of those things. Like I'd, I'd honestly eat it every day if I didn't think it was going to make me a ridiculously fat bastard who didn't want to do anything apart from eat fried chicken. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is so good. It's really, really good. So, um, is that your the most popular item on your menu there at Stockpot? Uh, I think brisket and fried chicken are pretty much neck and neck. Um, yeah, it it could go either way on any day. Well, I know that um, that uh, cracked chicken is it is what I see the most photos for popping up on on social media. I think it's because it's such a surprise to find such great fried chicken in Australia. Oh wow, that's um, that's a really nice thing to say. I don't. Know what else to say to that? Well, I've I've never had fried chicken as as good as that um, anywhere except uh, Willie Mays in New Orleans. So, wow. like nowhere in Australia have I had fried chicken as good as your cracked chicken. Well, I'll give him my personal number when we get out of this interview. Hey, I've already got it. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, so Red Hot and Smoking the book. Tell us about that. Uh, well, um, I think for maybe, uh, for maybe nine or 10 years, I've, I've had a food blog, which is called food is the best mm, ever. Sugar honey iced tea. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, and I, I just started writing down recipes with the thought that maybe one day someone might put them into a book for me. And then after, after a few years, yeah, I just, um, I compiled, you know, hundred and whatever it was, 130, 140 recipes and sent them off. And yeah, someone said, yes, I tell you what, I will put that into a book for you. So I went, that's, that's absolutely fantastic. Thank you. That's really then, cool. So so you, yeah. you you sought out the publishers? 
Yeah, well, I I, I kind of got a little bit lucky because um, I have a friend who's published a couple of cookbooks and um, she said, listen, try these guys and, you know, she put in a good word for me. So I'm sure that helped a bit. Yeah, that always definitely helps, absolutely. So you sort of reached out, you made contact with this publisher. What was the yep. next step then? Did you meet and discuss contracts or how? Uh, what, yeah, what it was, was the all, process? Um, so it was all emails uh, because they were, they were based in Sydney. So, you know, it's, yeah, first contract and then go to a um, publishing lawyer, look over the contract, bring it back, send it back. And so there's a bit of um, to and fro at the start with that sort of paperwork. And then after that, it was um, sort of putting it all together, giving it to them, and then they do a first edit, and then it goes back and forth. Um, I can be a little bit crass with my language. It's been said. <laughs> it's been said more than once. So um, there, there was a lot of editing done okay. on the on the first draft. I'll tell you what, like. Um, yeah, there was a lot of stuff, a lot of notes for me to read through. How about that? So you so, can't put yeah. an F-bomb in a recipe, is that what you're telling us? Um, yes, absolutely correct. Um, <laughs> I mean, pe- people have done it, but, uh, uh, you know, for for their, the market these guys were sort of approaching, they, they said they, they wouldn't like to do that. And I said, listen, I guess if you're going to do that whole print it and take photos and thing, then um, then that'll be okay for the first one. We'll roll with it. Yeah. Yep, I'm happy. If you're happy and you're going to print that book, let's do it. Fair enough. Now, if you're in Lismore and they're in Sydney, you mentioned the, the photography before. How did yep. you line that up? Did they come to you? Did you go to them oh, and, and, and cook yeah, in a yeah. test kitchen down there? Like what was the setup? No, uh, yeah, they just – send someone up, um, you know, you've got to work in with the schedule. Maybe their photographer's going to this town and then that town and whatever. But, uh, yeah, they just gave me a couple of dates that worked for them. I picked one and said it works for me and then that was when the photographer arrived and on with it. And what's the what's the process like? Like, you said you had about 140 recipes. Do you have to cook all 140 recipes in like three days or something? And he photographs all of them and then they choose, or do you? No, it was it was it was yeah, it was definitely a three day, uh, sorry, two day process. It was, but um, they sort of said uh, we want X amount of photos, like maybe it was 50, and then we'll choose from that. So we just pick what we thought might. Make a good photo, I guess. Okay, so you so you I, select the recipes to match the number of photos that they request. Yeah, I I I, I was going in pretty blind, to be honest. Like I just like, oh, yeah, what do you reckon? Take a photo of this. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, it all came together in the end. And, and did you style the food yourself, or did you get a food stylist? Uh, no, the photographer did the food styling as well. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. She was all over it. She, whole package, two in one. That's awesome. 
So, so you cooked up what 20, 20 different recipes across two days or something? No, I think it was closer to fifty. Oh wow, fifty. Yeah. Right. But in in saying that, you know, some of them were salads and sides and condiments. So oh, okay. it wasn't, you know, it wasn't all super difficult and time consuming, I guess. Yeah, and I guess if you got a whole team of uh, chefs and cooks and whatnot, and a and a commercial kitchen to do it in, then it w- then it would all sort of uh, sort of flow together pretty easily. Yeah, it definitely makes it a lot easier. Like I would have had a not the best time doing it at my house. I think <laughs> there would have been some f bombs there. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and so, how have you found the book to be? Has it been a has it been a red hot seller for you? Yeah, I mean, like it's definitely sold. I didn't know, you know, at at the start, I was probably happy if it sold a hundred, and then, you know, we we sell quite a few through the shop, so I know it sold more than a hundred, and then you're happy with whatever. But yeah, I just think it's 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 pretty cool. One of my kids googled my name the other day, and it was um, Graham Stockdale author. Very cool. And, uh, yeah, no, we all had a pretty good chuckle about that. I'm pretty sure they got me confused with someone else, but it's okay. <laughs> I'll take it. Mate, if you Google Ben Arnott, you come up with like a, a French-trained painter living in New York. Yeah, and you don't even tell anyone about that. No, well. No. Except You're now. just like, no, 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 <laughs> just do podcast things, man. Yeah. 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 You no, know, you can't buy a painting. What are you talking about? Yeah. So is there going to be a sequel? Uh, yep, definitely. Beautiful. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I take it you I'll, can't give too much away at this stage. No, no, no. I'm just, I'm, I'm well into it. Like, I'm really keen to make a sequel. Oh, so you've already been doing the recipe development and whatnot? Yep, heaps. So if we go check out your blog, Food is the Best Sugar Honey Iced Tea Ever... <laughs> Are we going to see like a bit of a sneak peek over there? Yeah, 100%. Got a project you'd like to work on with the SHC team? Shoot Ben an email on ben at smokinghotconfessions.com and let's have a conversation. All righty, Gray. Now, the next thing that we're going to talk about, segment three, is a lesson of your choosing. Now, you haven't actually told me what we're going to be uh, talking about now. So what are we going to be talking about? Um, listen, I would like to talk about maybe, um, a lesson or a piece of advice I may be able to offer people who are thinking about getting into barbecue and even more so competition barbecue. Okay. So we're talking about that, that transition period from backyard to pit yard. Oh, listen, we're not even... We're talking about people who maybe have seen all the pretty pictures and they've seen all the all the websites and all the Instagram accounts and all the Facebooks and they've gone like, this looks awesome, like I really want to get into this. All righty, sounds perfect. Hit me with it. Um, and that bit of advice, it may sound simple, just like me, but I'm thinking <laughs> that if you want to get into barbecue, you just have to remember 
to be chill about the whole thing and remember it is just barbecue. Like a lot of people get into it and they take it way too seriously. And they, you know, you know when you start cooking barbecue and you want your stuff to be like the photos you see on Instagram, but it's, it's not a reality for a lot of barbecue. And you just have to remember that everyone started somewhere and they didn't start with, you know, 20,000 followers on Instagram and really pretty pictures. They started with a, a dry, crappy brisket that couldn't feed any of the 16 people they'd invited over to dinner <laughs> and a crappy potato salad and white bread and that's all they ended up eating and... I, I just think it's an important thing. That sounds like a very uh, specific example, Gray. Did that is that what happened to you when you first started getting into barbecue? <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it happened more than once. Don't worry about that, mate. I know it definitely happened to me. I my first ever go was trying to do a pork shoulder with my with my mother in law when she came out because she first got me into low and slow. Yeah, I remember your story. Yeah, yeah, and it was um, it was the most delicious roast pork I ever had. But being a shoulder. It, it really wasn't very nice roast pork at all. <laughs> Shoulders are not meant to be roast. Oh, dear. So if, uh, if, if people are out there looking at, at getting into it, um, what, what grill would you recommend that they uh, jump on to start with? Uh, well, I, I think it's pretty easy to get, um, get a, little, a little grill from – you know, barbecues galore or buddings or wherever those things are sold and get a couple of Besser blocks and put a couple of coals under it in the backyard and sort of maybe that'll cost you 30 bucks or maybe you get a get a secondhand Weber that isn't polished and pretty off Gumtree and maybe that'll cost you 50 bucks and start simple, you know, like don't, don't spend thousands of dollars on it to start off with. Um, get out in the backyard and cook a barbecue. Like it's it's pretty simple, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's all pretty straightforward there. Yeah. Yeah, I I like to keep it simple. I I like to I like to have a barbecue. I like to watch watch the fire and watch the coals and um, just take it from there, I guess. How long would you estimate it was from when you first started getting into it and you were producing not so great stuff before you felt comfortable with your barbecue and you're like, yeah, I'm nailing this? How long was that period for you? Um, well, hopefully it'll happen soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's um, that's, that's I, not yeah, the best plug for the kitchen like, there, mate. Yeah, no, it's, um, you know, mostly we have good cooks now, but then – Every now and then a, a brisket won't do what you want or you'll have, you know, that one rack of pork ribs that annoys you. Um, and it, it's just it's just really annoying and all the meat won't behave like all the rest of the meat all of the time. It's, um, yeah. Yeah, that it, is a really it, frustrating thing when the uh, when you've got one rack of ribs that's done and the next rack of ribs looks like it's going to need another 40 minutes and yeah, yeah. Oh, especially, you know, if you've got 10 or 15 racks of ribs in there or, yeah, briskets briskets can be a bit of a funny one like that sometimes. Yeah, yeah, they sure can. 
Now, you mentioned before that um, things like what you see in the food photos on Instagram isn't reality. Have you seen those um, those photos of uh, uh, Instagram versus reality where it's like uh, someone will try and replicate the model shots and they're obviously not a model? Like, had, Yes. Ha- have you seen yes, that? Yes, I have seen those photos. Do you think it's That's... time for some barbecue versions of that? Oh, my dear good Lord, yes. Wouldn't that be awesome? Oh, come on, Ben. Get on it. <laughs> I think I might. You're not a busy man. Let's do it. Well, not right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Valid, actually. I've, I've got a couple of weeks holiday, but, uh, yeah, it, it was work from home before that. So, uh, yeah, things are getting a bit quiet. Yeah, it's got to be time for that, for sure. Well, I'm actually just waiting for the landscapers to finish. They've just told me they should be finished about the middle of next week, and then I'll be able to start building an outdoor uh, barbecue kitchen area. Which, Magic. Which I'm actually going to make it uh, specifically for shooting videos. It's going to have yep. uh, like light rigs and things built into it. Oh, man. Perfect. It's going, to, it's going to be good fun. I'll have to get you up. Yes. I'll be in. I'll be in, honestly. We'll do like a guest like a guest cooking spot. Yep. Perfect. Sounds beautiful, mate. Sounds good. All right. Well, let's um, let's start to uh, to wrap this up there then. Um, I'm yep. going to turn the turn the studio over to you and you can give uh, some thanks, some shout outs and tell everybody where they can track down your competition team, your restaurant, your book. And of course, those beautiful, funny parody videos. Tell us how we can uh, find all that information. Uh, okay. Well, the the restaurant is the Stockpot Kitchen on Facey on Instagram. Uh, we have all our crazy videos are up in the, um, the Facebook. Um, we also have Instagram for pit crew underscore barbecue, which is our competition team. We also do uh, Big Red Brand out of the, the kitchen, um, which is our condiments and rubs and seasonings. Um, that's also on Instagram. Uh, the book is by New Holland Publishers. And you can find it on their website um, or you can come into the shop and buy one. Um, we'd just like you to obviously pay attention to social distancing and that sort of thing. So if anyone else is looking at it, maybe just give them a little space. Yeah. Um, you might need multiple copies chained to the desk like a, like the pens <laughs> at a bank. Yeah, really, really. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that's all of the things we do. Okie dokes. And did you want to give some thanks and shout outs out there? I like, like always, you know, I, I just want to thank all the people, everyone, every single person I sit down and have a beer with at barbecue competitions, everyone who does something for this whole thing. Um, people like yourself and, you know, Rach, uh, all of you people who do all of these things to promote what we love doing and promote us being able to just hang out and talk crap about barbecue and have a beer and have a great time. Like, yeah, it's just um, fantastic. People who sponsor our barbecue competition team specifically, like Wild Smoke Rubs, Young Henry's, um, Byron Bay Pork and Meats, uh, Heat Beads, um, and like just for 
helping us to do this thing. Like I, I constantly sort of shake my head in mild amusement that people are encouraging me to go to barbecue comps <laughs> by giving me free things. I, I just think it's awesome. I can't imagine anything better. It, it's just fantastic. Yeah, well said, mate. Well said. Definitely the uh, all the sponsors and all the uh, and all the fellow barbecue aficionados definitely make it all worthwhile. Absolutely. Well, look, I'm just going to say thank you for coming on board the show. Thank you for sharing some time with us, and best of luck with Stockpot Kitchen. Thank you so much, and thanks for having me. And I will catch you when you got that kitchen built. Absolutely. I'll. <laughs> you, you'll be the first person I call. Bye, man. And there you have it, family. That was Graham Stockdale, the bearded brains behind Pit Crew Barbecue, Red Hot and Smoking Book, and the Stockpot Kitchen. Make sure you hit him up on all the socials and follow Graham and his team. And if you can make it to a competition where Pit Crew are also competing, make sure to be at his tent around 7 p.m. for that incredible cracked chicken. And if you are in the northern New South Wales area, do make the trip into Lismore and check it out. Uh, it is just at the bottom of the hill from... Um, uh, Ah, mental blank, the hippie town. Anyway, you, you'll get what I'm talking about. So you can uh, definitely make a round trip of it. Anyway, that's it for today's show. So I'll leave you with one last piece of news. We have beanies on the way. That's right. Thick, warm, smoking hot confessions beanies will be in the shop very soon. So head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com slash shop. Check back again over the next couple of days and they will be there very soon. So anyway, until next time, take care of each other and keep on queuing. Thanks for listening to the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com for recipes, tips and Ben's own confessions.